one way to read this story is a story about uh, parents who are confronted with a very difficult situation. What do they do? This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. I'm Helena Martin. Welcome back, and Merry Christmas. I know we're not quite there yet, but we're through the fourth Sunday of Advent, and now we're getting ready for Christmas any day. Each week here, we invite you into a conversation with two of our Yale Divinity School faculty, and they share some thoughts about a text from the Revised Common Lectionary to jumpstart your reading that week. This episode, we have Greg Sterling, the Reverend Henry L. Slack Dean, and Lillian Claus Professor of New Testament, and Harry Attridge, Sterling Professor of Divinity. They're discussing Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52, which is appointed for Sunday, December 26th, the first Sunday after Christmas Day. The text is read for you by student Katie Stewart. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Now every year the parents of Jesus went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother cherished all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. Greg, nice to be with you today, talking about a really interesting passage in in Luke. This is the story about uh, Jesus and his parents coming up to Jerusalem and uh, him getting left behind, putting on quite a show in the temple, causing his parents some distress, uh, and eventually they catch up with him and bring him home to Nazareth. What do you make of this story? Well, it's a great story. One of the things that strikes me about this is that it's the only story we have about Jesus as a boy in the canonical Gospels. So it's part of what Luke and Matthew does the same thing with Mark in expanding Mark by telling us a little bit about the beginning of Jesus's life when they added their infancy narratives. I think that's where really it depends on which character you focus on in some ways, at least that's how I read it. But Jesus, I think, is presented as a type of Lundert kid in the story, as you suggested. 
but he's very different here than he is in other early Christian gospels to do things that are similar, like the infancy gospel of Thomas, where Jesus does all kinds of things. It can be dangerous to be his friend or his teacher. Yeah, does, doesn't he kill some uh, uh, other little boy who's uh, annoying him in that uh, that story? Yeah, he does. A, a boy runs into him and he curses him or pronounces a curse on him, and the boy dies. And he did the same thing to one of his teachers who didn't like the way he responded and swatted him, and he pronounced a curse on him and he died. So Very different picture of Jesus there. So this is quite different where you have Jesus in the temple as in his father's house, the obedient son of God, but also in the trope of a, of a lunar cat. And you and I have both studied Josephus a lot, but this reminds me of the story Josephus tells about himself. Uh, when he was 14 years old and he says, the chief priests and the authorities in the temple in Jerusalem used to come to him and ask him questions about the specifics of the law. Now, I believe that about the same way I believe that the Pope doesn't like to say mass. I don't believe that at all. But it, it's a nice trope. But, but recognizing that it's a standard trope, what do you make of the use of a standard trope in this gospel? Why include this as one story? It's the only story we get from Jesus's boyhood. You know, I think it's doing something similar to what you get in the infancy gospel of Thomas. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, Jesus learns in that story and he becomes um, uh, obedient to his parents and uh, learns to use his powers appropriately. This is a toned down version of the same kind of thing. I think that Jesus is really smart. He can engage with the uh, leading authorities in the temple about matters of uh, interpreting Torah. But he's subordinate to his parents. He goes home with them and uh, learns obedience that way. Uh, the epistle to the Hebrews has uh, a line on that. You know, Jesus uh, learned obedience through his suffering. And I think that Luke has, um, has that in mind, wants to show the humanity of Jesus, even as a very special young man. Yeah, well, he even gives us that last line is about Jesus' development, one of the only places we have that. The other thing that strikes me, though, is that he's in the temple. It's a way of anchoring Jesus in Judaism and in the piety of Judaism, which the entire infancy narrative does. But it shows a connection in it and his own grounding in his ancestral faith. I've often wondered, and there's quite a bit of attention in the story given to the parents, especially Mary, but they're pretty upset. And I, I would say, you know, if you're a parent and your child goes missing and you're a day off from where you last saw him, you'd be pretty upset too. Yeah, the parents are certainly anguished. Uh, and, you know, we see so many pictures of that in, in the news these days or have done in the last couple of years of parents being separated from the children uh, on the borders, uh, right? And you can sense the anguish as that separation takes place. So, I mean, one, one way to read this story is a story about uh, the parents who are, are confronted with a very difficult situation. What do they do? They act responsibly. They trust in the Lord. And indeed, the Lord provides. But yeah, the, the anguish is there. And uh, I think that needs to be recognized. On the continuity business, that's uh, an important part of what Luke wants to convey generally. That is that uh, Jesus and what he stands for stands in, in a tradition that goes back to uh, ancient Israel and it fulfills that tradition and carries it forward. 
so that's that's an important point that the the temple here is um, uh, the house of the Father of Jesus. It is, and I mean the infancy gospels or the infancy narratives start basically in the temple with Zacharias. At least once we get to Zacharias, we go to the temple, and now it ends this way in the temple. Going back to the uh, the parents uh, for a minute. Uh, as uh, someone brought up in the Catholic tradition, I have uh, a certain respect for, the, uh, for Mary, the mother of Jesus, and uh, she plays a very large role in these opening chapters of Luke uh, with a Magnificat and all of that. And it's Mary that's the focus at the end of this story who puts these things in her heart. And so there's a, there's a start of a kind of uh, recognition of the role of the mother of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke that uh, carries on in the tradition that I'm certainly familiar with. Yeah, I, I've sometimes been asked as a Protestant because I once taught at a Catholic university, well, what do you make of Mary? And I would say, from a Protestant perspective, she is an ideal disciple, and she's held out as an ideal disciple. And I think in this case, you have a sense of her uniqueness in putting these things up in her heart, knowing that her son is different than other children in the story. And I, I see that uniqueness here. Yeah, and as an ideal disciple, I kind of like that um, that image. Uh, as an ideal disciple, she's learning about who he is. And I think uh, that's uh, something that all disciples of Jesus have to do. It's a learning process. You don't get it the first time around. Uh, you grow in a deeper understanding of um, the significance of Jesus as you try to follow him. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, there even in the infancy narrative, there's a, one line that gives her a little bit of a hint about what will come at the end of the gospel, not in our text, but in an earlier part of this. But she does have an understanding that he's going to change the world, and in fact, he did. So it gets started here, here in Jerusalem. That's a site for, um, for Luke. Yes, it is. Well, the gospel starts here, Acts begins here. And then Acts will, of course, end in Rome. And it's not an accident that we go from Jewish Jerusalem to the seat of the empire, Rome. Thanks for listening to Chapter, Verse, and Season. For more information about the podcast, including a transcript and this week's show notes, check out YaleBibleStudy.org. You can also find a lot of other great Bible study resources there. And remember to follow us on Twitter at Bible Yale. Chapter, Verse, and Season is produced by Joel Baden, Kelly Morrissey, and me, Helena Martin. Our theme music is by Calvin Linderman. Thanks to the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School. And thank you to Dean Sterling and Professor Attridge for spending some time with us. We'll be back next week with another conversation from Chapter, Verse, and Season.